0: God, we've been hearing just your testimony, just testimonies of you speaking to us, speaking into our lives, and how profound it is when we hear a word from you. And God, that's what we're talking about this morning, and I, I pray that you would speak to us in, in such a way as to bring a transformation in our lives. The way we view ourselves, the way we view you, the way we view the world around us, Lord, we ask for a transforming presence. And now I just want to invite you to pray just silently to yourself and pray and ask God to reveal more of who he is to you this morning. And now I ask that you pray for me that God would use me, that God would use me uh, to speak to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. There's something about that name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, if I were to tell you the name George Foreman, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Okay. Oh, okay. Everyone, right? Perhaps you know George Foreman from his grill, the George Foreman grill. Now, I actually, in preparing for this sermon, actually wanted to buy a George Foreman grill. I was like, you know, I want to know what it's like to be able to cook a burger in half the time, right? Because it's two-sided cooking. So I went on Kijiji. And um, Kijiji's basically an online thrift store, I guess, right? You can get uh, <coughs> used anything. And so I looked, and there were tons of Foreman Grills. 20 bucks I could get a Foreman Grill, so I, I might get one. I'll just, I'll have to ask Allie, but she'll probably say no. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. But, uh, huh? Oh, yeah, I could have yours? Oh, done deal, done deal. Okay. <laughs> really? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I'm oh yeah. I'm cooking burgers tonight, man. That's great. So anyway, um, perhaps you know that it isn't the grill that made George Foreman famous. It, it was actually George Foreman that made the grill famous. George Foreman was a professional boxer turned pastor, turned comeback boxer, turned entrepreneur. It's actually quite a fascinating. Story and I want to share with you this story of George Foreman. Now, in 1968, he was 19 years old, and he entered the Olympics and he won the in the heavyweight division of boxing at the 1968 Olympics. Afterwards, he turned pro. He 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 became a professional boxer and um, started winning fights. And he became eventually became the heavyweight champion of the world, and he held that title until he lost it to Muhammad Ali. Now, it wasn't uh, long after uh, he lost the title that he actually lost a few more and he decided to retire. In fact, the the fight just prior to his announcement of retiring, he got pretty injured in the fight and uh, so much so that he actually said that he had an encounter with God uh, in that moment and he decided to give his life to Jesus and he became a pastor and so he... Start, he was in a church, and he started a ministry where uh, he started a youth center. And uh, he realized, though, that in order to have this youth center, uh, he, need a lo- he needed a lot of funding. And so, I mean, he, he was in the ministry for about a decade, for about 10 years, um, and realized, you know, in order to keep the youth center going, he's got to do something because money was running out. And so he decided to get back into boxing and um, to make money for, for this uh, youth center. Now, at that time, it was 10 years after he retired. So it was 30, he was 38 when he got back into the boxing ring. And in, in boxing, that's basically retirement age. Um, people were, were speaking to him saying, George, you can't do that. You're, you're, just, you're too old. Uh, you're out of shape I mean, he, he actually, when he did come back, he eventually did come back. That was one of the things that people said. Look at him. He's out of shape. He's overweight for the heavyweight division um, and things like that. But, um, yeah, it seemed hopeless. George, you're too slow. There's, it's, you're going to die in there. Right? It seemed impossible for him, but he was determined to box. And to the shock of the boxing world, when George Foreman came back, he started winning fights. He started winning matches. And he, and he had a nine-fight win streak. It was, it was quite... Phenomenal. Um, but after that nine-fight win streak, he lost again to a younger, faster boxer. And, of course, at that time, people were saying, okay, George, you did good. You had a bit of a run there. It's time to retire. You're too old. You're too slow. There's a lot of up-and-coming young fighters, Mike Tyson being one of them. You're, not, you're just not going to be able to complete, compete. You can't do it. Right? But George wanted to prove them wrong because in his mind, he had a vision. He had a vision. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. And by the age of 45, I mean, he kept at it. He kept at it. And at age 45, which is to this day still the record for the oldest boxer to win a heavyweight title, George Foreman defeated Michael Moore and became the world champion again at age 45. It was against all the odds, against all the things that were said about him. As he was, you know, deciding to come back into boxing at his old age, he became what he knew was true in his heart, the heavyweight champion of the world. So why am I telling you this story? Well, George Foreman had a vision. He had a vision that he believed was from God to go back into boxing 10 years after he retired. That, that's not a smart idea. It, it's one thing if he was in boxing. You know, at, at 27, he didn't retire and he kept boxing and stayed. I mean, there's lots of boxers, even today, who are you know, in, in that age and even older. But they've been boxing that whole time. You know, they're able to, you, they slow down a bit, but they're able to keep up. But for George, it wasn't, that, it wasn't like that. He was out for a long time, over a decade. And um, it, it just, it wasn't a good idea. But he just knew that God gave him a vision and he must have battled thoughts in his mind though cuz there was a lot of things that were said it was over the media the press like saying this is you're too old George you're too this and that and just but he followed the vision God gave him and he succeeded he followed the vision that God gave him and he succeeded you see God is a god of vision God is a God. The God we serve is a God who gives people a vision to go after, a vision to look towards, and usually this vision, it's a seemingly impossible one. Well what do I mean by that? Well, he gave Abraham a vision. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5 to 6 says this. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And it's like, what? He was 99 years old. Abraham was 99 You don't have kids when you're 99. It's just not possible. Impossible. Yet God said it. And not only did God say that Abraham would would be a father, that he would be a father to a multitude of nations, that kings would come from Abraham. What an amazing, incredible vision. Now let me ask you a question. Has the Lord given you a vision for your life? Has he given you something to look towards, to to, to strive towards? Perhaps you have a dream of achieving great things. Perhaps you have a vision to start something that will impact the lives of other people. Perhaps you have a calling to write, to write a book, to start a ministry, to help the poor. Perhaps you have a missions calling over your life to go overseas. Or maybe it's to start something here right at home. Maybe God has called you to start a business. God has called you to something. What vision has the Lord given you? He gives us vision. But so often when God gives us a vision to strive towards, situations and circumstances surrounding us speak otherwise, and we begin to have these words that pop up into our minds. Oh, it it, it can't be from God. Telling us the vision couldn't possibly be true. And what spirals from that is we begin to tell ourselves things about ourselves That are not who God sees us to be. We begin to use words that say we are not capable of fulfilling the vision that God has. Words like, I'm not good enough. I'm old. I am young. I am unintelligent. I am unworthy. I am fill in the blank. These words have the power to not only affect our vision, but also our identity. And so today, I want to tackle this head on in a sermon that I'd call The Power of Words. Because words have power. They really do. Words have power. And to do that, I want to take us to uh, the book of Judges. And I want to introduce you to a character in the Bible whom God had a vision for his life. God had words for him about who he was, but he didn't believe it. In fact, he couldn't see it. Um, at first he couldn't, and so it's Judges chapter six, and I'm going to read from verse eleven, and it's the story of Gideon. And this is what it says: Now the angel of the Lord and came and sat. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord's forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I? Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now just to give you a bit of a background uh, to the book of Judges. God has a plan for Israel. God has a plan for humanity. And he's using Israel to bring about that plan. Israel could not be corrupted by the surrounding cultures. It just couldn't happen. Because of God's ultimate plan. But you see, the Israelites, they kept doing what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the book of Judges keeps saying. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord, evil in the eyes of the Lord. They followed after the Baals and the the, the false idols of the surrounding Canaanite cultures. God couldn't allow that to happen. It had to be pure. It had to be God that they served. But they kept turning away. And so um, this sin prompted the anger of God, which resulted in oppression Uh, A foreign nation would come and oppress the people of Israel, whether it be the Philistines or uh, the Canaanites, Midianites. They would come and they would oppress Israel. And then Israel, Israel in their oppression, would cry out to the Lord. And the Lord would hear their cry, raise up a deliverer, a judge, um, and Gideon is one of them that we're talking about here. And the the deliverer was chosen and empowered by the spirit of God to deliver Israel from their oppressors. And so the story of Gideon takes place when Midian took over Israel and oppressed them. And we find in Judges 6.11 that Midian, he's a farmer and he's storing away wheat so that the Midianites won't discover it and steal it. The Midianites were were described as like grasshoppers. They were a nomadic people group. They just kept traveling on and on and just devouring everything in sight. And uh, the Midianites were like that. And so I'm sure Gideon had this happen to him. He has a storehouse of grain. The Midianites come and they steal it. They, they just destroy the crops. And so we see him hiding the crops so that Midian won't discover it and destroy it. And I could only imagine uh, Gideon questioning because he, he would have heard the stories of God, how in the past he did wonderful things, that God is a deliverer of Israel. He delivered them from Egypt. But he's looking at his situation saying, well, where is he now? Look, at, look, look what's going on. God rescued people in the past. Well, where is he now? And it's no surprise that Gideon responded the way he did when the angel of the Lord came to him. The angel gave Gideon a vision. It was a title that God gave to Gideon, mighty man of valor. Now, the word valor means great courage in the face of danger. That's what that word means. Gideon, you are a man who faces danger and just has great courage in the face of it. But you know what? Gideon's response at that time was not so courageous sounding. Verse 13, please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why? Why has this happened to us? What's going on here? Where are his wonderful deeds? Now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Where is God? How many of us have been in a situation like that where you're asking God, Where are you? Look at the circumstances surrounding my life right now. Look at the problems. They're just multiplying. Why? What's going on? That's what Gideon was in. That's the situation that Gideon was in. Looking around and saying, how can this be? And yet God reassures Gideon by saying, listen, I have a plan. You are a mighty man of valor and I'm going to use you. Now go in this strength that I give to you. I have a plan. Now go. But Gideon's response was this. Please Lord. How can I save Israel? Behold. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. In other words Gideon's saying. Lord. I am weak. I am the least. I am not capable. He couldn't say, I am a mighty man of valor. He couldn't say that. He didn't believe it. The very words that God gave to him, he couldn't say it. That third word for him was weak or the least. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say third word? I am third word. What is that third word? Weak least you see that third word is crucial for us it's crucial that third word that fill in the blank word i am fill in the blank it's crucial what are the third words that you speak over yourself what are they what do you hear in your mind what do you tell yourself in your mind i am what do you use words like gideon I am weak. I am the least. I am dumb. I am not good enough. I am terrible. I am never going to change. I am never going to amount to anything. I am fill in the blank. Does that sound familiar? I am here this morning to tell you, God has a vision for you. And it doesn't look like the third words that you speak over yourself. Not at all. God has good things to say about you. He does. He has good things to say about me. It's all in the book. It's all in his word. We need to take time to read it and know it and see how God sees each and every one of you. Here's a couple of, couple of examples here. John chapter 1 verse 12. I am God's child. I'm God's child. How many of you parents look after your kids? You, 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 you're very mindful of your kids, whether they're going to stumble, whether they're going to fall. Right? God's like that with you because you are God's child. He watches over you like a father or a mother. Colossians 2, 9-10, I am complete in Christ. In Christ, I have all that I need. Ephesians 2.10. I love this one. I am God's workmanship. God made me the way I am. I am God's workmanship. And there's a lot more. In fact, I have a whole list here if you want. I, I have a whole list of papers here. You can come and. And, and take a, a copy, if you like, after the service. But there's just a lot what God has to say about you. Based on these truths found in the scriptures, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to do something. I, I've started to do something this year, just at the beginning of this year. And listen, it's changing my life. It's changing how I view my life, how I view God, how I view everything. Everything. It's changing. I'm making a vow this year to believe the words that God says about me. To change my third words. I'm making a vow to change that. Here are some of the things that I used to say about myself. I wanna, I'm just going to be open and I'm going to share with you, okay? Is that okay? I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to share with you some of the words, the third words that I said about myself. Number one, I am unqualified. That was one that I spoke over my life the first Four years, three, four years as pastor here at Trinity. I am unqualified. I am weak. I am not smart. I am not a strong leader. I said these things. Because, I mean, because of the circumstances I found myself in. I mean, I became a lead pastor with very little experience. Um, About four and a half years ago when I started, I was... Well, relatively young. I'm not young anymore, I guess. But I I was. I was brand new when I started. I mean, I lead people who are much wiser and smarter than I am. Making you feel good, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, I felt that way. And I was like, Lord, how, how can I pastor? I mean, I how can I do that? How, how can I do that? I, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm weak. I just can't do this. So I said these negative third words. But you see, God had different third words for me. Very, very different third words for me. He called me here. Same goes for my family life. I, I, used to, I said things like, I am not a good dad. I am not a good husband. And I said those third words because the things that I did proved that I wasn't. But you know what I realized? In some ways, I found myself doing those things and in those circumstances because I said those negative things over my life, over myself. The more I say I'm a bad father, the more I say I'm not qualified to be a pastor, it affected the way I lived out my life. It affected the way I lived out the calling God placed over my life. I am called to lead a church. But if I keep telling myself that I'm not a strong leader, I am not going to be confident in the call that God has given me. And so I'm changing my third words. I'm changing them. My fill in the blanks. And it's changing my life. It is. Ask my wife. I was talking to her about, the, about this the other day. I showed her uh, some of the things that I, I say every day. She's like, James, I think it's working. I'm like, Really? like, yeah. And she's a person that says it like it is, you know. So I I thought that was pretty good. And let me just say this. This is not an ego thing, okay? This is not an ego thing to boost our egos. It's not a self-help thing. This is based on the words God says about you and me in his word, right? And so I want to share with you this morning some of my new third words, and I want to encourage you that as you see some of my new third words to, to find what are the third words for me? What's God saying about you personally? And, and, and begin to think about it and write those down. Places somewhere where you can read it again. Like here's what I did, okay? So I have a list of third words. Well, they're longer than three words, but like you get what I'm saying. Like these, these statements about who I am in Christ, who I am in God. And, and, I, and I laminated it. I have two, three copies of these. One's in my office, one's at home, and one I carry, carry with me everywhere I go. And so what I do is I, you know, every morning, not every morning, I miss some mornings, but most mornings I read that. And here are some of the ones that I say, okay, I am a follower of Jesus and I exist to make his name Great. I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and I carry the presence of God with me everywhere I go. This helps big time when I go into pastoral care meetings, when I go meet with people, and I feel not good enough. You know, I say, "No, I am filled with the Holy Spirit." Right? First Corinthians 3:16. Don't you know that you yourselves are filled? God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. Amen. I am filled with the spirit of God and I carry the presence of God with me everywhere I go. I am strong and courageous because God is with me. Joshua, the book of Joshua, God says that. I could, I could speak that over my life. I am strong and courageous because God, the maker of heaven and earth, is with me everywhere I go. I could take that one to the bank. I am a leader called by God to make other leaders. Okay. And this is uh, a couple that I have for, for my family. I love my wife and I lay down my life to serve her. I am a good father who encourages, equips, and empowers my children to live for Jesus and advance his kingdom. Church, it's changing my life because as I speak the truth of God Over my life, over my mind, over my soul, and into my life, I begin to not only believe it, but I live it out. It's amazing, the power of words. It's changing my life. It's changing my life. I do things differently now because I have new third words. George Foreman had radically different third words than the world around him. He said, I am the heavyweight champion of the world. Everyone else was saying otherwise. But he believed the words, the vision that God gave him. Gideon, it took him a little while to believe that he was a mighty man of valor because God was with him. But he moved forward in the third words that God gave him. So what are God's third words for you? What are God's third words for you? Let me pray for you. Let's just just take a moment. We're going to pray now. But I'm going to ask the Lord to begin to show you, begin to speak to you. And as the Lord begins to speak to you, He might do that today and and this week as you go on your daily uh, lives this week, that the Lord would begin to speak into your life of how he sees you based on what is written in his word. And I want to encourage you to write it down like I did and speak it over your life. So Lord... Thank you that you have a vision for our lives. That each and every one of us in this place, you have created with a purpose, for a reason, to, to fulfill what you have for each of our lives. But, God, the world around us, circumstances around us, the enemy, speaking against the purposes and the plans that you have for us. All these things come like a storm, like a raging storm into our lives. But God, you have the power with your word to calm the storms. And I pray, Lord God, over each and every Person in this place over each and every kid in this place downstairs who are learning similar things today god that you would speak into our lives today this week that we would begin to change our third words that we would begin to see ourselves the way you see us and stand firm in the identity that you have for us in the calling that you have for us in the third words that you have for us We love you, Lord. We live for you, for the advancement of your kingdom and your purposes in this place, in our lives, in the world around us. We thank you. And it is in the name that is above every name that we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. God is good. Amen. So I encourage you. I want to encourage you. It's changing my life. Bless you. Have a wonderful week.